Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Let me turn up the music again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, I, I think it's still okay to say that. I've, I've always never liked Christmas that lasts just one day and you swear, wish people Merry Christmas for just one day. So it's still Christmas for me. Live with it. Come on. Come on. You can live with it. Yes, you can. I am your host. Letitia Wong of Pro-Life Fridays Radio, and it has been a wonderful Christmas season for me personally, and news-filled, happiness-filled, everything-filled. I realized I have have some co-hosts out there that are suffering in more ways than one. One is out with a terrible illness. I am so sorry. That's my co-host, Melissa. And the other one... Thomas, he's out there somewhere. Let's see if he can come on, uh, on the broadcast with me later bit in a bit because uh, uh, he's trying to get to a spot where he can join the show, and I'm eagerly waiting for that. So welcome, everybody, to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. This is our Christmas edition, and yes, I love Christmas. And so we're going to listen to a minute of the rest of this Mannheim Steen Muller Hallelujah Chorus because I love it so And, okay, let's get to it. I want to thank everybody for joining me on air today. This week, guys, so much. Oh, sorry about that. We've got a lot to talk about. We have uh, headlines galore and commentary galore. Plus, I've been promising 12 days of the stupidest thing ever. Well, there are 12 items of the stupidest thing ever, and we are going to get to them. But first... But first, um, I wanted to tell everybody, um, our scripture, our scripture for the show, which is, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. 
and it is a call for the people of God, specifically the people of Israel, choose life. Choose life for themselves, choose life for their families, choose life instead of death, because life is always a blessing for longevity, for your descendants, and because life is a blessing. The choice is between a blessing and a curse. Life is the blessing, and death is the curse. Uh, something to think about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a few things that have happened since our last broadcast, as we always do, uh, in, in a new segment that I think I'm going to call Hypocritical Headlines. And what these are are headlines that I grabbed from the news that occurred to me how we are being utterly, utterly played. Uh, by the people that are in charge, not just of the news, but our social narrative, and our political leaders included. And contrast those things that are happening now with what has happened before in similar strains, and how the results are completely different, hypocritical, if you would. Now, uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was something that you're never, 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 never going to hear about anywhere else on, on the news, never on the mainstream media. You may hear about it within pro-life media, but you're not going to hear about it on the news, And which is, well, yeah, you know, and you never know. Maybe it will happen. Now, but there was an attack on an abolished human abortion group outside an abortuary in Norman, Oklahoma. And this happened uh, earlier either last week or earlier in this week. Well, I'm not going to play the audio of the video because there is about five minutes worth of video that documents this violent attack against two people praying and protesting outside an abortion clinic in Oklahoma. So there's not, because I'm not going to play it because there is not a lot on there except for a few choice words uh, that are lobbed at the AHA guys, and a lot of camera jostling. So there isn't really a lot on there other than showing that they were attacked. They were attacked without provocation, and uh, violently so, and this evidence is probably going to be used against the attacker uh, in an assault charge. Uh, but here's the full story. I'm going to read from the full story on LifeSite News about what happened. And the title is what grabs your attention the most. It says, you're lucky, it's quoting the guy who attacked them, you're lucky I didn't have my pistol. And it says, video shows pro-lifers violently, at violently attacked outside an abortion clinic. Okay, so the setup is um, a, a man that comes outside out of an abortion clinic supposedly with a woman who had recently had an abortion, approaching two abolished human abortion gentlemen and hitting one of them in the face, punching them, chasing them, pushing them. They are retreating. He is advancing. They're trying to get out of the way. He is coming after them. And the tape, and the tape, <laughs> here I am. I'm a product of the 90s, guys. 
And the video shows him just com- just following them and continuing to take their – he took one of their cameras away, threw it on the ground, thoroughly thrashed it and destroyed it, trying to get rid of the video evidence, only they had a second camera which captured the whole thing. And a lot of times it's, uh, you'll see somebody's hand covering partly, part of the camera because they're trying to protect the camera from getting uh, discovered and taken and destroyed as well. So there's a lot of camera jostling in this. That's why it's not going to play the audio because there is a whole lot of audio other than a lot of jostling, a lot of stepping, a lot of not much dialogue. But there is enough in there that's probably going to be used in court one of these days. And the uh, video footage shows the young man who came out of the abortion clinic follow the follow one of the guys, 36-year-old um, Toby Harmon, repeatedly grabbing his video camera, spitting on their signs, and as the camera is blocked during a struggle, Harmon contends that a noise in the video is the sound of a man of the man spitting on him. <coughs> Excuse me. Harmon says the man threw his fist threw his Sorry, threw his first chest-mounted camera onto the ground and destroyed it. And the original video file of the incident was corrupted beyond repair. His goal, he said, was to destroy the evidence of the altercation. However, they had a second camera, and that's what we see now. As Harmon struggled with the man, the other person called the police, and the Norman Police Department's call log shows the alleged assault and battery, as well as assault and vandalism took place at 9.13 a.m. in the morning. Now, right now he is following us, and we are literally fleeing from him. Uh, it's the other guy named Jeremy telling an operator, saying the man followed them about 50 yards away from the center or the abortion clinic at that point. After walking off, now here's the, here's the rub. The man says, you're lucky I didn't have my pistol on me too. I would have shot y'all now. To which... Harmon responds, did you just threaten my life? And the guy responds with, yes, yeah, I did. No point in the video do any of the protesters uh, retaliate with any kind of violence, and the video spares that out. The whole time that this five-minute video follows him, the attacker, from the moment he approaches them, uh, hits one of them, and follows them threateningly uh, and to form a distance away from the clinic and then follows and then it captures him walking away from him, so from beginning to end. And at no point in time did either of the AHA persons lift a finger um, toward him. Um, so that's what happened. And there was some crosstalk. What interested me the most was not that this happened, because I think this is undeserved. Uh, what happened to them should not, be, should, ha- should not happen to anybody. And these are things that we pray about, that nobody gets hurt and these altercations. But there was some pro- crosstalk within the pro-life community over whether or not AHA's approaches elicit people to physically attack them and so such attacks should be expected. And uh, with AHA members responding with, oh, physical violence is justified then because we asked for it? Um, look, 
to the AHA people in Mormons care if they were saying, I don't care if the guys, the AHA, AHA guys were saying, yo mama is really yo daddy. They would never say such a thing, first of all. <laughs> I'm just saying. But you get what I mean. No one invites or deserves physical assault on themselves when the intent is to offer help. The blame in this incident rests entirely, entirely on the attacker. In this particular case, the man attacking is clearly a disturbed and emotional individual, and I doubt that nothing the victims did or did not say would have changed his behavior. Well, that is not to say, however, that I agree with the tactics AHA members frequently employ to get people's attention. However, but this man deserves to be arrested for assault and property damage. And I hope he gets the post-abortion counseling that he so obviously needs, as well as the chance to come to terms with the gospel message. And I want to thank and congratulate the AHA guys for not physically retaliating in their own defense. They could have. They really could have. There were many instances where, you know, from the perspective of somebody was coming toward me, walking toward me. Now, I have many ways of dealing with that, and I might have just used one of those ways. But to their credit, this was one of the times where it was right to turn the other cheek, and they did. And so I think that they did the right thing. So, but I think this incident, however, kind of exposes a crack between some groups in the pro-life community. And yes, I, I know it irks some AHA people that I'll call them pro-lifers. Um, but, you know, it, it does irk me just as much to be called complicit in legal abortion. So, you know, slap, slap. <laughs> so which is worse, I ask. Uh, anyway, forgiveness all around, repentance or not, okay? The issue, the issue is that some groups within the pro-life community look at others as being obstacles to the goal of abolition. And I wonder how much truth there is in that on whose, and on whose end. I do. And I'm kind of reminded of an analogy one of my pastors at church made. If you want to hang a picture with a nail, you need a hammer. But many of us pick up screwdrivers instead, and or you know we don't want to make the effort to get a hammer. So we end up trying to hammer with screwdrivers, and it may work okay, but you won't get the results you want without a hammer. And you may destroy your screwdriver, or hurt your hand, whatever. People get hurt. I see bloody fingers. You know what I mean. Now, there is nothing wrong with the tool itself just how you use it. So I wonder if those who want to be on the front lines <clears throat> at the abortuaries, at the abortion clinics, I wonder if they aren't the right people for the job that needs accomplishing. The AHA leaders in place today are very good at what they do outside of standing in front of abortuaries. And other groups are not so good at impressing on people their need for healing at the feet of Jesus and delivering the gospel message. You know, I just think, 
if some groups swapped their areas of activity, there might be, there could be, there would be a lot more harmony among the groups. Now, of course, I'm not so naive to, to think that there isn't a fundamental uh, difference in philosophy and how to proceed with the fight against abortion. But I would like to see people reevaluate where their strengths and their weaknesses lie. And perhaps if we play to some group's strengths, uh, all groups play to their strengths and not try to play in the areas where they are weak. Now I know I'm, this is talking in generalities, but it has to be said that a lot more couldn't be accomplished. And a lot of the animosity may be toned down. Because I've heard a lot of the, uh, the criticisms against abolish human abortion. And I've heard a lot of their criticisms against other groups. I know, I know, I am not unaware of the fact that abolish human abortion and Abby Johnson's, Abby Johnson's um, ministry to abortion workers former abortion workers and women who have had abortions and try her her personal fight against planned parenthood i knew i know they do not get along and i know they get along uh, they don't get along i mean i know they don't get along on philosophical grounds those are legitimate those conversations over how to proceed and what should go first and and who should be saying what are legitimate. However, those things should go on behind closed doors, over a meal, over a cup of coffee, with, laced with prayer and humility, and not shots and arrows lobbed at each other over cyberspace. I really don't think that's the way to do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not delegitimizing anything that anybody has to say. I'm saying that we need to proceed with ironing out those differences, if they can be ironed out, in a much more civilized way, people, and in a much more discreet way, more importantly, because people are watching. This is a conversation that does need to be have had, so let's have it. But let's not have it over Facebook. Let's not have it over Twitter. Anyway, that's my two cents on this. Now, uh, I saw this headline talking about how Syrian Christians are just being slaughtered relentlessly by Muslim terrorists and how the mainstream media is not even reporting it. You know, strike two. They won't report about what happens to uh, people, pro-life people who get attacked in front of abortion clinics, and they won't report about Syrian Christians, about the Syrian Christians. And they're not even reporting about the Egyptian Christians that are just being slaughtered, wholesale slaughter and persecution in these countries, and nobody says anything. Not only that, um, the accusation is that churches in the West, especially here in the U.S., are by and large not making a lot of noise about it. Um, you know, but what do we hear instead? 
president of the United States and his family are vacationing in Hawaii again, you know, where all the black people traditionally go to celebrate Christmas as a cultural thing. Woohoo! Hang ten. Don't you hear that all the time? Hang ten? No. Anyway, he is headed. I, I think he's headed in the wrong direction uh, with Iran and with his administration pushing race relations to a low that hasn't been seen in 60 years. Now, I'm not saying that all of those things are unimportant. But not to include what is happening in Syria in particular after he pounded on his teleprompter that we needed to attack the government of Syria in order to right the world is one big hypocritical hiccup for his administration. Apparently, it's not a massacre unless chemical weapons are being used and they're being used by the Syrian government. You know, it's okay if you are uh, Syrian insurgents and members of Al-Qaeda or whatever. There. Using chemical weapons and ferrying chemical weapons, and trying to obtain nuclear and whatever they're doing. It's okay if they're doing it, but if the Syrian government um, is, is doing that, oh, that's terrible. Oh, we, gotta, we have to attack them. Now, I do um, know that it is doubly, doubly horrible. If you're a Christian, very bad for you, and it's doubly horrible for you because it just makes it certain that you're nothing to this president and his administration. I'm pretty sure if this was a conflict where the numbers of Christians that are being killed was the same as the numbers of, oh, Palestinians that are being killed, Something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. We have to use our military to attack and to intervene. But since it's Christians that are being killed, rounded up, shot, raped, maimed, burned, and tortured in unspeakable ways, it doesn't even deserve or merit a mention, even though just months ago our president had to be beat back by the president of Russia to be told that we cannot use military force against the Syrian government. Oh, now and, and now we turn a blind eye. Ah, yes. Okay. Now there's a certain helplessness that I feel with regards to the persecution. I do. Our greatest advocate, I understand, is Jesus himself, as always, and our prayers for the persecuted do not go unheard. However, there is something innate about human nature that says, do something in the face of a tragedy that is unfolding. So I do think there is more that churches can do. I remember... Oh, I was in high school and my early years in college when the Taliban took over the, the provincial government in Afghanistan. 
And women in Afghanistan after the Taliban took over were forbidden to leave their houses. They were, they were, some, of, some women were not allowed to even have shoes, so they could not leave their houses. Women's, women were being checked to see if they had makeup on. Some women were reported to have had their lips cut off because they were wearing lipstick. Women were forced to wear burqas in public when they could, if and when they could leave their houses. And there was a lot of human rights abuses, abuses going on in Afghanistan after the Taliban came to power. And churches and human rights groups and people of conscience of many stripes took to the streets here in the United States to protest what was happening in Afghanistan. And it provided public pressure to the Clinton administration and the State Department and senators did put pressure on Afghanistan and it, to, to try to rein in those abuses and try to deal with the, the Taliban. I remember in that same period of time, that's when um, that's when a lot of Sudanese Christians were being killed and burned and massacred and persecuted by a lot of Muslims and imprisoned and kidnapped and made into slaves. There was slavery, there was a rank slavery, old, and I'm talking about slavery like it existed 300 years ago that type of slavery. And in that part of the world where technology hasn't um, lifted everybody to a different you know, type of lifestyle yet, they are still living like it's 300 years ago. And I remember back then, people took to the streets. They begged the State Department. They wrote to their senators. And there was movement to try to curb this practice through political pressure. And whatever pressure our government could levy, leverage, I mean leverage. So why isn't there the same that's happening here? This is happening on a scale that is equal to or greater than what has happened in the past in other countries with human rights abuses. But for some reason, this golden administration seems impervious to the real suffering of human beings if it doesn't have a political end for it to be involved. If there's nothing to be gained for this administration to be involved in it, suddenly it's not, it doesn't even exist as far as this administration is concerned. By the way, did you not hear that the justice that uh, Eric Holder <laughs> is trying to, is has charged a young white man with a hate crime for playing the knockout game, and did you not realize for weeks I have listened to people insist that the knockout game is not 
a black-on-white crime. It is not a black-on-black crime. It is not a black-on-Jewish crime. It's not a black-on-anything crime, if it can even be called a crime. Well, hello. How is it then? If it's not a racially tinged crime, how did a young man who is white get charged with a hate crime for trying to knock out a black man? Riddle you that. All right. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. The news that caused the biggest stir this week is the suspension of Phil Robertson from A&E's Duck Dynasty show. A show, by the way, which had 8.4 or so million viewers, and I was one of them, up until people started to boycott it. Now, there is a lot that has happened since revelations began in this story. So if you don't know what has happened, then you might be living under a rock because everybody, and I mean everybody, had something to say about it. So very quickly, I'm not going to spend ages and ages recapping what has happened. But an interview with GQ magazine, you know, where America turns for news and laser-focused stories of utmost importance, right up there with 17, Robertson ex had expressed his belief that homosexuality was a sin, according to the Bible, and that it seemed illogical for a man to be uh, sexually interested in another man's anatomy instead of, oh, the gay advocacy group, G-L-A-A-D, GLAD then complains to A&E, and A&E then pulls Robertson off the show in an admitted solidarity with the LGBT community. So, after that, the world then explodes following this news, and every opinion imaginable comes out either in defense or condemnation of all parties involved. I mean all parties involved, down to Cracker Barrel restaurant. You're like, what? Yeah, even them. So that is about as neutral a reporting as you can get anywhere. Um, this is what, so I'm not going to rehash whether this is about, going to be about free speech and people's rights and any of the private television company, they can do whatever they want, and Phil Robertson's a free human being, he can say whatever you want. I'm not going to talk about that aspect here and now because that aspect has been talked to death. I, I, you know what? Even beyond death. I think there's a lot more to say. I mean, even civil rights, even Jesse Jackson has gotten into this fray. And there, I could easily spend a day talking about what a mess that is. But I promised our, our listeners, this is the pro-life aspect in all of this. And if you look very closely, yes, it is there. What I want to point out here is that is, first and foremost, the hypocrisy of the left. Now, in all candor, this is the pro-life aspect of it. A and E wanted to create the Duck Dynasty show for the purpose 
of mocking the Robertsons, who are pro-life Christians and who oppose the gay lifestyle. That's beside the point. Okay, that's that's what was the news then. This is this is what I'm talking about now. Who are they? Are pro-life Christians? They originally set up the Robertson family. They set them up. <clears throat> excuse me as a product to be exploited and mocked as some kind of backward hillbilly rednecks clinging to their guns and religion. They, they are the picture of candidate Obama's speeches about Americans, Americans who aren't into urban de- dependence on big government, yet clinging to their guns and their religions. Uh, well, it turns out that the show became more than A&E had wanted it to be. So far from being mocked, fans of the show fell in love with the family and wonder of wonders, tolerate and even agree with the personal opinions of Phil Robertson. Now here we have an interesting turn of events. This show, which was meant to cast this family as some kind of uh, representative, so all families like them and who, those who think like them, with their, with their quaint ideas of, their, of God and religion and Jesus and the Bible, and living living uh, off the land and running a family business and not being political in particular. You know, we wanted to make fun of people like that. And you wanted to make fun of people like that. Create a show to make fun of people like that because they are so out of touch with the fact that most people like that kind of life. To be independent of government intrusion and the and the mind control and the politically politically I should say politically correct mind control and be able to think with their logic minds and say hey I don't think the gay lifestyle is the right lifestyle and everybody goes crazy in television land and say oh oh my gosh I can't believe people actually think that well, wonder of wonders, a lot of America does. And you can try to indoctrinate people from beginning to end in life, but you're not going to be able to get around the fact that people do think about these things. They do read the Bible. They do understand it and believe it, and they do believe that God created human beings to be sexually active in one particular way, as created And it's not wrong to stand up and say, hey, yeah, that's what I believe. So I, the only blame that Phil Robertson can take is to be blamed for standing up like a human being ought to and speaking for himself and not be simply a product of a television show that was meant to mock him. A&E, this is something that got away from them. 
was a joke that got turned on them. And my friend, my good friend David Usher thinks this is one huge PR scam, a PR stunt, and that a and &E probably already knew that the Phil Robertson was going to say all these things, uh, even the stuff that Jesse Jackson now has a problem with. And we can talk about that. <laughs> Not opposed to talking about that. That this was just one heart, one huge PR stunt. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm not saying yes. I'm saying maybe. I think, though, that it didn't start out that way. But if A&E is smart enough to try to play both sides, they could turn it into a big PR, a big PR scheme that might work out in its favor. And if they, you know, if they're if they're honest about it, they should thank God that the network survives this controversy because people are very, very unhappy when they do see a clear and recognizable uh, instance of somebody being discriminated against just for believing something that happens to be unpopular with the network. You know, A&E, you the man. You are the man. And it is the man that people want to take down at this point. And A&E will not survive. Ever an axiomatic truth, to be redundant and to repeat myself, about Duck Dynasty, that A&E needs Duck Dynasty, a whole a Duck Dynasty, excuse me, a whole lot more than the Robertson family needs A&E. They have been an independent family, financially successful and financially independent. They did not need the fame. They did not need this attention. They did not ask for it. They agreed to do this show. They agreed to be who they are, and it worked out in their favor. But they, I, am, I, am so sure, I am sure from the characters that I see on television that if they just picked up and walked away tomorrow, today, that nothing about their family would change. The only entity that would suffer is Amy. Amy would suffer terribly. Well, you know what? I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to just give away their cash duck because Duck Dynasty is the only thing that anybody who watches that channel for right now. I don't think they're going to give that up. But if they did, it would be the biggest financial mistake of their careers. But you know what? If they did it to make the, the gay lobby happy, you know, maybe that would be some comfort to them. I don't know. So, you know, my prayers are for the, the show to kind of have a resolution and an end. If they end up moving to a different network and still keeping the show, you know, thank God for that. They don't, like I said, they don't need A&E. But, you know, if A&E would do what was good for them, they would make amends. Uh, and rethink, rethink their position and their solidarity with the gay rights agenda. Rethink how much that actually would be a liability instead of something to be proud of. You know, just saying. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about 
some of the other headlines. I know Thomas had something he wanted to say. He was dying to say it. Uh, concerning, <clears throat> I think he concerning, concerning Hillary Clinton. We'll be back on the other side. And upcoming, on, later on the show, uh, we'll be talking our 12 stupidest things ever. You are listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio here on True Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio. You know, folks, I have had uh, the privilege of getting to know a good friend who's become a good friend of mine. Her name is Stacey Lynn Harp. She is the host of Active Christian Media, also a Blog Talk Radio radio program, uh, kind of a sister to ours. They, she talks a lot about uh, the issues probably surrounding Phil Robertson, as everybody has um, talked about that. And I'm, she has had a lot of good things to say. Uh, and so far as commentary goes about that, she is also not just a good friend of mine. She also has helped me uh, with my Avon needs. I know, do, does anybody have Avon needs? You could. You could have Avon needs. If you are looking for uh, real makeup, no, I to get back to something that I heard a friend of mine, another friend of mine, say. Uh, she feels like she's grown up enough to not buy uh, cosmetics, like from the from the drugstore, drugstore cosmetics. She wants to grown up cosmetics, and um, you know, I I have nothing bad to say about store 
drugstore cosmetics, but if you are looking for a grown-up cosmetic, kind of grown-up feel with a personal touch, uh, youravon.com slash Harp is a great place to start uh, with my friend who is a, an Avon representative, Stacy Harp, and she will help you with whatever you need. You need a personal touch. She is the person to go to. And then now that the Christmas season um, is almost over, your Christmas presents have all been sent and received. Uh, if you need a new look for the new year, some fresh new makeup, they say you know you have to toss your makeup every so often and get fresh makeup. She's a great resource to go look up, and she can help you with that. Your business helps to support her radio network, and she's a good friend of ours. So youravon.com slash Harp is something to try out. Okay, and we are back with uh, stuff, just stuff. If you have questions, uh, the number to call is 760-542-3907 to join the program. I would love to take your call. It is an open line that we have right now. And if you'd like to call, I will answer. And so we have a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to put Thomas on the line. He has been patiently waiting uh, for a bus. I know, poor guy. He is in the middle of travel. How are you doing, Thomas? Just say hello. <laughs> oh, I'm doing okay if you can hear me. Uh, we can hear you. Okay. Well, well we're back from our break. Up. Two things I'd like to talk about real quick. One is a headline that um, kind of seems very ironic in that our Congress is pushing for um, American families to adopt more foreign kids. The irony in this, and as you had mentioned to me earlier, there's nothing wrong with it, but the irony is in it is the fact that the same, the same Congress will not push for more adoptions for babies that they consider unwanted. I have a problem with the hypocrisy. I the think second, that's a very good point. The second issue that I have is that Hillary Clinton, that I had to pause We lose you? Are you still there? We might have lost Thomas if he doesn't answer in the right right next two seconds. Okay, I think we lost him. Um, I think he was going to say that there was a video that came out um, that came out of Hillary Clinton. This was from a while ago, where she defended um, her position on abortion and. I think the lesson for me, I don't know what Thomas was going to say. Oh, wait, he's back with us. Let's see. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, Thomas, are you there? Yeah, sorry about that. My face hit the phone and hung it up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well. You are saying. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those sensitive touch screen things. But, um. Uh, I'm sorry about all the noise, but anyway, uh, Hillary Clinton in the article, which I posted on Facebook, once again referred to abortion as safe, legal, and rare. So my question 
to throw out there for debate. How are they safe? We know they're legal. And when did they become rare? Right. Right. Um, yeah, I saw that video. And apparently it was it was a it was taken a while ago, and she was in a in a congressional hear, hearing of some kind. And to give people a background about the video, she was being asked about her support for several UN resolutions calling for reproductive, some kind of reproductive justice. We all know from the Sandra Fluke incident that reproductive justice means free contraception for everybody, uh, and 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 questioned whether or not family planning. Uh, could be defined using abortion. You know, is, is abortion part of fam- her idea of fam- family planning? And Senator Clinton, was she senator or was she, um, oh, goodness, I didn't even pay attention to that, uh, the labels down on the bottom of the, on the, bottom of, the uh, of, of the video. But let me see if I can pull that up and it will tell me. But anyway, what she had said while I'm retrieving that information, what she had said, she got kind of indignant. Like, how can you ask me that? And after many words, she finally did say, of course abortion is part of family planning. And she backed that up by asking, you know, how many people have you seen you know, that needed abortion, young girls, 12 and 13 years old, who would have benefited by abortion, you know, all this stuff. And this is classic emotive defense of of baby killing. You know, never mind the fact that we're talking about human lives that are lost. She is laser focused on her narrative that abortion is beneficial to people. Beneficial. And you're not going to get her to ever say that it is not beneficial. So having said that, then why doesn't anyone ever ask them to point out how it's beneficial? Because if you do, that's where that's where you um, spring the trap. Right. I mean, she's she's ne- you're never going like I said, you're never going to get her to say that abortion is not beneficial. It's, it's always beneficial to her. That's, that's axiomatic. There's no drawbacks to abortion whatsoever because if she were ever to say that abortion is not applicable in certain instances, the entire house of cards crumbles. So what we ought to ask her in response to her position that abortion is beneficial and necessary to family planning is also to ask how many of those uh, abortions equal a family that is planned. <laughs> when we talk right. about well, when we talk about black genocide, which we do a lot on this program, and the fact that in Missouri alone, the the number of blacks being killed in an abortion in abortion clinics is twice that of the percentage population of blacks living in the state of Missouri. It's it's That's negative growth. Yep. So how's that family planning working for you? Are we going to family plan ourselves into extinction? 
And I don't mean just we like in the black community alone, but we as a human species going to family plan ourselves into extinction. Right. So I think a term that we should, uh, a new phrase that we need to coin would be unplanned parenthood. Does that make sense? Or, so, so another parenthood, unplanned parenthood, but unplanned parenthood would signify those who actually kept their babies. So that might not work. Well, they look at it as planning is so much better than unplanned. You know, planned pregnancies are better than unplanned pregnancy. Although, if you ask the baby, if if the baby feels like being planned or unplanned is better, I don't think the baby is going to be able to tell the difference. That's except, a very good point. <laughs> except we would be able to tell the difference if the baby were alive versus dead. Right. And I have a question for you, which I'd like you to expound on. Please... Um, expound on the narrative that a Debbie somehow is beneficial to that baby. That baby's better off dead. I I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> I think it, I think that question answers itself. I mean, I, we've had guests, we certainly have had guests on the show that have brought out the point, how can our human civilization advance if we kill off all the members of it? I mean, our creativity comes from the next generation. Well, Our prosperity comes from the next generation. Isn't it well, the uh, case when we talk about, well, uh, let's, let's, let's take this to the logical end now. We have radical environmentalists saying that we're earth raping and we're stealing our, the earth from our future, children, all that stuff. You know, it doesn't, there's an old Indian saying that we only borrow you know, from, from the next generation, uh, down to the seventh generation. There's even a brand of tissue that is called the seventh generation. With this philosophy in mind that how we live today is not living for ourselves, we are actually taking from future generations, borrowing, and that if we are irresponsible with our time and our resources today, we end up negatively impacting them in the future, down to the seventh generation. Now, that runs completely opposite in philosophy to the idea that abortion is to be beneficial for us. Because if we abort the next generation, there won't be a seventh generation. (laughs) Right. So, I guess my my whole question and my whole thing on this is that we, you, me, Melissa, those of us who have the ability to attack intellectually we need to we need to we need to from a intellectual point of view take their point and show the fallacy 
of it to the point where it does show them in a very negative light. Because once people see the truth for what it is with all the layers peeled back, that's when we will start to win the argument. So that's that's my that's my whole thing because one one of the things that and I've known this but sometimes my emotions will will get get the best of me but the best way to attack a person sometimes in a debate is to attack them from common sense point of view just like um, I I posed the question on Facebook the other day um, dealing with one of the Ten Commandments and. I asked the question, when did God change the commandment, um, thou shalt not take any other gods before me, to thou shalt not take any other gods before me, except if it's Barack Obama, you know? And, and, and just in asking that question, I made my point. You see what I'm saying? Well, sure. I think this, what was it, that it was, uh, who, who admitted it, that Barack Obama was supposed to be the Messiah? Yes, exactly. Barbara Walters, Barbara Walters said he was supposed to be the Messiah. Now, I understand they mean that figuratively, but substantively, they wanted him, they looked at Barack Obama, the president, as a kind of savior figure. He's going to take us... He's going to be the anti-Bush, and really he is, but not in as many ways as people think. But he was going to yep. give us, the, the, he was the ideal president for this time, He's everything that everybody wanted in a man. Um, right. Scares the living daylights out of me, because if that's what everybody wanted, I'm scared for all of you. <laughs> and we got exactly what... Uh, we got exactly what we wanted. They wanted an image of the cool black guy, or the clean black man, as Joe Biden had said. They wanted a clean black man to be president. Well, he certainly looked that way, but looks are very deceiving. And I think this country, exactly. at this point in time, on December 27, 2013, realized that what we elected into office is not what uh what we thought we elected to office is not who Barack Obama really is. Ding 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 ding. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and until we realize that we're not going to we're not going to go anywhere, but see the thing of it is um the whole mentality uh they're going to get you has has people terrified and I know that for us, this is where we have to pound the pounce the most because ultimately we know who has our back and who our guide is. You know what I'm saying? Mhm. So, so it's like you you uh, mentioned last week or the week before, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but um, you said like in in 2014 that there's gonna be. Uh, like, oh, no, what what you had said, you, oh, you had posted uh, something about the Salvation Army International and how, uh, you know, we're going to start posing a question to organizations that, that uh, say they represent certain values, but 
in actuality, they may hold hidden viewpoints like Salvation Army International, which is okay with abortion in some cases, which you rightfully pointed out. So the way I look at this narrative is that um, the life issue across the board is going to become one that is not going to take a back burner anytime soon. In fact, I know Pro-Life Friday's radio, we're going to we're going to force the narrative and even my movie that's coming out in twenty fifteen that's really going to blow the lid on something on on just blatant racist aspect of this industry, the abortion industry. So it's time for us to use the intellectual properties that we have, our intelligence you with your apologetics that you have and we're we're fighting back. We're taking over this narrative. And so Oh definitely I'm I'm excited. You know? Oh definitely. Definitely. I, I think we've people have, have sat back and let let the the leftists yep. determine what is and what isn't true about when we talk about pro life and we talk about abortion in particular. Uh, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. I mean, I think for too long we have conceded the microphone to other people. And that's why we have the results that we have. Um, You know, I I, I always ask. I always ask political conservatives. I ask uh, pro-life conservatives. I ask people of all different stripes, why is it you let other people determine what people believe about you? Why? Right. Why do you let them do that? <laughs> and you and we just stand by and go, well, you know, what are you going to do? Yes, what are you going to do about that? And it's about time we did something to speak up for our own point of view. Exactly. And you know what? You what you just said there was is a very powerful will be a very powerful slogan on some on some T shirts. You know, I think Pro Life Fridays Radio, we need to come up with our own T shirt line and like 'cause like what you just said right there. How come we sat back and let other people determine who we are or however you said it? And and if Exactly we, if we if we ask that question and put it in the face of on T-shirts, you, ooh, you want to talk about you want to talk about opening up narratives, and especially especially if we um, uh, uh, point it directly at conservatives because they're the ones who need to know. Absolutely. They're, yeah, I'm so. all for T-shirts. I love T-shirts. <laughs> Let's have oh yeah, t-shirts. and I. But what we need to do, my friend, you're the creative mind there. We need to come up with a really powerful logo that's going to that's really going to hit home with our with our uh, brand that that people gonna know that we're here to fight, we're here to stay, and that we're ready to fight for the lives of all the babies. Like that young lady, which I don't know if you mentioned yet, um, but the the court. The court judge in Oakland ruled that um, the hospital can take um, 13 
13-year-old Yahai off for life mm-hmm. support. Did you hear about that? Yes, I read about that. Yeah, but let's just continue to pray that um, her parents do move her to her own life support because I guess there's been an outpouring of people from around the nation that offered to help pay the expenses to keep her alive. But I will say this. Has that been a young, wealthy, white girl? We wouldn't be having this discussion, really. Hmm. Yeah, you think so? I think so. Because if you think about it, Oakland being the suburb of San Francisco, San Francisco being the being the most elite, zombiest city in America, you know. So there mm-hmm. you go. Could be. It it, it could be. Could very well be. I know that a lot of cases of people that have been on life support for an extended period of time, you know, years even, months if not years. Um, yep. I, you know, I, I never thought about uh, the, that there was a, a racial element to this. I never thought of that before, uh, but I can't, you know, I can't say no, it's not. It can't be because I don't know. But a lot of times these people have ended up waking up from their their comas. Um, exactly. They've been declared brain dead many times, but they've been kept on life support and eventually they do come back. That happens yep. a lot. Uh, I, I should say, I, should, I shouldn't say it happens a lot. It happens in more cases than you think. I think that would be more, uh, I think that would be more accurate. But as far as the racial aspect of it, yeah, these, a lot of these cases, they are white people that have come back um, who hear yep. their stories about. And so you think that if they were uh, minorities or blacks, that they would have been removed from life support a lot earlier and not given that chance? Yes, because if you really think about it, in California, if uh, a hospital can declare someone dead if they're brain dead. But see, here's the issue that I also have. have. The hospital has not told the family what went wrong. They refuse to answer that question. And they, yeah, no, they're not worried about Right. And I don't know if you knew this, but California kept lawsuits that $250,000 damages maximum, so they're not really right. worried about a lawsuit. That's why they're wanting to um, go ahead and kill her. Because my personal viewpoint, they did something wrong, and they covered it up. It's possible. It's very possible because, I mean, listen, the little girl had to go into the hospital for to have her tonsils removed. Right. This is routine. Now, I don't know why she had to be in the hospital for that necessarily, um, but because I, I think this is done a lot. I think they have outpatient clinics for that, but I don't know. I, you know what do I know? I had to right. have my tonsils removed. In a hospital too, but you know it's become so routine. It was it was like nothing, but uh, this is that tonsil tonsil removal tonsillectomies are are very common, and there is really there unless something horrible horrible went wrong, which is what happened. Obviously, what happened? Uh, tonsillectomies do not usually cause brain dead children. 
<laughs> on the face of it, that doesn't happen. But the thing, the thing of it is, the thing yeah. of it is, though. Think about this, Leticia. They said she was bleeding profusely, and she went into mm-hmm. cardiac arrest. Now, if someone's bleeding profusely, she punctured something. That that could very well have been the case. Very well have yeah. been the case. Um, my first guess, though, was that it was an anesthesia problem. Right. More often than not, when somebody uh, loses the ability to breathe, loses oxygen right. to their brain, or anything happens to their brain through surgery that has nothing to do with the brain, uh, usually right. it's uh, an anesthesia mishap. Something happened wrong with the anesthesia. You either gave too much or the wrong kind. It was not appropriate. Something happened. So I don't know the details. Like you said, the family's having trouble finding out those details, too. I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, it's very hard to say. Right. Well, that yes, is something that, that we point, I was thinking the only way for the family to find out is to have a court order to have those medical records of her surgery given to them. They would have to order the, the medical, um, order the hospital to turn over the records. Well, that's just the thing. They have and the hospital refuses to. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to have to... Have some take some kind of legal action to force the hospital to turn over those records. Right, because I know I know there's it's just something that was not right about that whole thing, and and that little girl. In fact, um, Walter Walter didn't know about it. Walter Hoy, and so I made a I made a call to him to see if he knew about it. And that kind of, I believe that's kind of what got the ball rolling with the involvement of the family out there. Because, you okay. know, a lot of pro-life people, black pro-life coalition people are out there in California. So we need to, we need to continue to follow that because what, what happened to that young, that young lady, she's 13 years old. And Leticia, just to give you a little bit more background, she actually told her mom, that she was scared she didn't want to go into that because something didn't seem right. She had a premonition of something that was going to happen. So, and now her family, they feel kind of bad, but it wasn't their fault because they thought that they were doing, they were doing, uh, they, they thought they were doing right. They loved her and they wanted to help with her so really we right. have to pray for that family as well pray for the mom dad aunts, and uncles because they're carrying around a lot of guilt oh, and uh yeah. you yeah. know so sure yes i i'm kind of getting choked up here because i mean that's so she's young she she was well, she's young vibrant and we know that god God does perform miracles, and uh, I can I can personally attest to that. My brother, 
was in a car accident in a coma, considered brain dead. He came out of it. Now, he never wow. walked again, but he came out of it, and he he was able to make sounds where he understood what he was saying. So God does perform miracles, and all these doctors, if you if you're so if you're so uh, so up on your Hippocratic oath, and you're so if you're so worried about not giving people hope, why are you a doctor? That's that's the question I want to ask to any doctors listening. If you if you want to pick and choose who's lying to say, why are you a doctor? Because you're you're disobeying your own Hippocratic oath. Because if it was all easy, we would need doctors. You know, that's only if the doctor took the Hippocratic oath. Uh, let's hope he did. <laughs> let's hope yeah. he did. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, we will definitely follow that up. Uh, we definitely pray for this family. Uh, I did follow this story earlier. Um, we just didn't have a, a space on it earlier to, to feature that on Pro-Life Friday's radio, but we definitely will stay in touch with Walter Hoy and see what happens with that case. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a very tiny break here and be right back, and we will come back with the 12 stupidest things ever. It's be great. Yay! Fridays Radio here on the 
True Radio Network. If you would like to call into the program, the number to call in is 760-542-3907. We would love to take your call and your questions. On with me, on air with me, is my co-host Thomas Smith, who I will turn the volume down on me because uh, I think I still hear a lot of interference. I am very sorry, but <laughs> but uh, we were, we'll uh, catch up with him in a bit. Now here, oh ha ha, we have. Instead of twelve days of Christmas, which I already have had my 12 days of Christmas, had my fill, very nice. We have 12 stupidest things ever of 2013. Now, it was very hard to choose because we, uh, I, you know, there was so much stuff that happened. <laughs> Too many to choose from, but here are the ones that probably people remember from recent history. This is our first annual 12 stupidest things, stupidest things ever list. Countdown, I mean, countdown, that's right. And number 12, what race is Santa Claus? And that whole story and the brouhaha over Fox News' Megyn Kelly and all the liberals getting upset about her. Now, if you didn't follow that, this is what happened. Megan Kelly made an offhand remark in one of her live uh, panels talking about who Santa Claus is and who is, who, what best represents Santa Claus. Now, keep in mind, Santa Claus, as we know him today, is a fictional character. Keep that in mind. Try at least. Try to keep that in mind. And she read a tongue-in-cheek article, opinion, op-ed, from a black woman who, was, who said she was distraught or said she was upset all the time when she was young that Santa Claus was not depicted as a black man and said uh, and always is a white man, never is a black man. And so Megyn Kelly responded to that, making a remark, likewise tongue-in-cheek, that Santa is white. That's what she said. Santa is white. And then she proceeded to have a light-hearted discussion with her panel members about the the ethnic origins of Santa Claus. So uh, what caused the huge dust-up? Apparently, liberals don't have a sense of humor, that if somebody can be, quote, unquote, distraught or whatever she said it was, about the race of Santa, why can't we stand up and say Santa was white and have a great laugh about it, being that he is a fictional character? Nobody to get upset over. Uh, she went on to say and make comparison and said that Jesus likewise was white. Of course, now everybody is angry, but not realizing that nobody believes that Jesus was a white European man. He was Middle Eastern, and he probably looked. Jesus probably looked however Middle Easterns looked 2,000 years ago, which is probably not like a Norwegian. So there's that. 
So the stupidest thing ever is about how Santa, how liberals reacted to this whole story about Santa Claus. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. The next, number 11, number 11. And I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that knows about this. But if you, audience, knows about this, love to hear from you. The number to call is 760-542-3907. And the number 11th item on my list is Arachnoquake. Say what? Yes, you heard me. Arachnoquake. Did you ever hear of Sharknado and the huge the huge deal about Sharknado, which is a movie about sharks in a tornado? <laughs> as stupid as that is, Arachnoquake, I think, is even stupider. Arachnoquake is a movie about an earthquake and a giant spider that comes that lives in the earthquake, (laughs) a giant spider that emerges from an earthquake to take over a city, and uh, the military is called out to try to fight this beast that has spawns babies, (laughs) spawns giant spider babies that take over the city, and all kinds of ridiculousness and hilarity ensues at this very bee sci-fi film called Arachnoquake. Look it up. It's pretty stupid. Number 10. President of the United States to lie about not knowing his uncle. Uncle Obama. No, what was it called? Uncle Omar. Apparently, uh, when he was asked directly, President, no, then candidate Obama denied having ever seen or known his father's brother, who has been living here in the United States for the past 40 years on an expired visa. So, yes, his uh, uncle is an illegal, technically, an illegal in the United States. And Barack Obama had denied ever meeting him, living with him, or knowing him. But the truth came out a few weeks ago that he, in fact, not only knew his uncle and met him, but he had lived in his uncle's apartment for about three weeks while he was transitioning to find his own place in Chicago back when he was out of college. But why did he lie about that? I don't know. The denial is really kind of stupid because, as the Bible says, the truth will always find you out. Your sins will always find you out. So the lying about it, you know, the cover-up is always worse than the lie itself. So, lesson not learned, ladies and gentlemen. Number nine. It's those horrible little bit strip cartoons. Let me tell you. For a, for a couple of weeks, my news feed on Facebook was flooded with these cartoon versions of people that they made up for themselves with their little thought bubbles and their speech bubbles and narrations and all that. And, yeah, they were cute for, like, the first one that I saw. And after that, it became totally and utterly annoying. So bit strip, everybody. My number nine 
stupidest thing ever. Life is already a comic. Don't make a comedy of yourself. That's what I say. Yeah. Don't make a comic strip for yourself. Okay, number eight. New York City Mayor Bloomberg bans oh, just about everything under the sun. It started out with salt on the table. Then it moved to sodas, the sizes of sodas that you could purchase at any given place in the city of New York uh, to 16 ounces or less. And this is for sugary drinks. I don't know if it was just limited to soda. It was for sugary drinks. And now banned, uh, what was it, smoking and everything. I have to <laughs> I have to call that up. can't even say this by memory anymore because there's too much. Uh, and now he wants to, let me see if I can look that up. I'll move, I'll move on and come back to it. But this is a grand example. This is a grand example of how government and a big government, government mindset and a nanny state mindset has taken over the city of New York. You know, New York, which not too long ago, when 9-11 happened, or before 9-11 happened, when Mayor Rudy Giuliani of New York City had been the pride of New York City. He had taken New York City, which up to that point had had a reputation for violence and murder and being an unkempt, unclean city with uh, just, you know, known for its rats and known for its trash and known for its, its just being a dirty, ugly, urban place to live, to today is known as a thriving, clean, happening place. And that happened because a lot because of Mayor Rudy Giuliani's initiatives cleaning up the city, pushing back uh, illegal getting cracking down on drug abuse and drug use and the homelessness and cutting the and really bringing law and order to New York City and cleanliness and his initiatives were mocked by many at the time he was enacting them but they ended up really improving New York City to the point where it's it's you no know, it's back again you know shining pride of the united states we're happy to have new york in our country and it's it's a great place to visit it's a great tourist place you don't feel like you're in danger all the time there anymore he really cleaned it up and so now new york city mayor bloomberg has gone ahead and kind of swung that pendulum all the way to absurdity new york city let's see Banned, yeah, like I said, banned cigarettes and uh, food donations, certain food donations, because some certain foods have too much sodium in them. And homeless people and those that are reliant on food banks shouldn't be served food or get obtained food that are that is not nutritionally up to snuff as far as he is concerned. Uh, okay. So now there's that. There's that. <laughs> New York City, everybody. Number seven. 
is the government, the federal government shutdown. Number seven, most stupidest thing ever is the government shutdown. Now, we went through this back and forth for a couple of weeks about all the things that happened during the shutdown that were honestly just plain stupid, such as shutting down national parks, putting up barricades, dishonoring our veterans, shutting down, uh, <laughs> shutting down tourists who were trying to leave, who were trying to leave uh, places like Yosemite National Park and not allowing them to use the restrooms under the name of shutdown and telling people they couldn't get out of their buses while they were leaving to look at the wildlife that they went there to see and were deprived of earlier that they went there to see and couldn't take pictures because God forbid that they were able to recreate while there was a government shutdown. You know, as if the animals are off limits, you can't even look at them. Shut your eyes. If they, she could have told, people could have told tourists to shut their eyes and not look while the bus drove through Yosemite National Park on its way out. I think they would have gone that far. Just saying. Number six is <laughs> the black kid dressed up as Jesus gets kicked off school campus. Now this, people were taking offense left and right, but I don't think they were taking offense at the right thing. Now, there was a story about a kid who, I think it was for Halloween, he dressed up as Jesus uh, in a Jesus costume and went to school, and the school decided to kick him home, send him home. They suspended him for the day and sent him home because his Jesus costume was considered religiously offensive, that he was offending Jewish kids or he was offending atheist kids or he was offending Muslim kids. At any rate, he was offending everybody but those who actually really cared. <laughs> they were offending this kid. They were offending him by saying he couldn't have his costume, although it was just a costume. Now, I have something that I want to point out about this. You apparently can dress up as any fictional character you can. Um, <laughs> you can dress up as Jesus and they'll kick you home. But if you dress up as Muhammad, somebody will behead you. Now, I wanted to ask, which do you think is more offensive? Really and actually. Yeah, that's the stupidest thing ever. Okay. Number five, it is the lie, what has made the lie of the year if you can keep your, insert word here, if you like your, I'm sorry, let me start over with that. If you like your fill in the blank, then you can keep your fill in the blank. In this case, the biggest fill in the blank was health insurance. If you, can, if you like your health insurance, then you can keep your health insurance. Apparently, that's not the case. And it's not going to be the case either with if you like your doctor, then you can keep your doctor. Because as this administration, this White House administration has admitted, that you can 
with conditions, namely, if you have enough money to keep your doctor, then you can keep your doctor. So that is a second lie of that formulation. <clears throat> and a third is if you like your prescription drug plan or you like your prescription drugs, you can keep your prescription drugs. Now, the interesting thing about that is that I have a personal testimony to go along with that. So my, my husband's employer informed us uh, through a letter about the changes to our health care plan. And it's not just a change. It's a completely different plan that we've had now for a couple of years. And uh, it's not something we asked for. It was just kind of like, here's your plan. It's different now. Deal with it. And, oh, by the way, here are all the changes. You won't be able to use the pharmacy that you've been using so far. You're going to have to use something else. Good luck with that. Oh, all righty then. And it's going to get to the point where we're going to say, hey, if we're going to make it a lot into a lie. If you can keep your uh, drug prescription drugs, if you like your prescription drugs, you can keep your prescription drugs, and that's going to be a lie. But I'm waiting for the media to come out and defend that like they did with the insurance plans under Obamacare or the Unaffordable Lack of Care and Patient Victimization Act, that if you like, they're going to say, well, your, your prescription drugs were crappy, they said about insurance. It was terrible. You had inferior drugs just like you have an inferior plan. But don't worry. Don't worry. Your next bottle of Obama meds will be much better, just like your insurance is going to be much better, because now your, all your drugs will, be, will have contraceptives in them. Isn't that better? I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to say. And that is going to be the stupidest thing ever. Number number four, where are we at? Number four, John Podesta. Analogizing the GOP to that death cult leader, Jim Jones. Now, granted, John Podesta took back those words, and, well, he should have taken back those words sooner than they left his mouth, because not only was that a very incendiary thing to say about the GOP. He seems to have forgotten that death cult leader Jim Jones was a Democrat tool in the 1960s. He was such a tool, he helped the Democrat Party in California perpetuate voter fraud in the state of California. Now, I don't know exactly what John Podesta was getting at, but all those things that Jim Jones did is still the things that the Democrat Party does today. So if anything, it's not GOP that is a death cult. It's the, oh, I'm going to let you finish that sentence. And thus, that is the stupidest thing ever. Number number three. Oh, I uh, oh, I have to play it for you. 
our number three. It is. Let me find it because I just wanted to play it. I just wanted to play it for you. It is number three, stupidest thing ever. It is Mr. Hot Rockin' Rappin' Barack Obeezy. I know, I'm I'm a, only a white, I'm, no, I'm not a white person, I'm not even a black person, I don't even know how this is going to work, but here we go. Let me be clear, when I'm in the Oval Office, call me President Barack, President Barack, President Barack, and if my critics get an attitude, I tell them to stop, I tell them to stop, I tell them to stop, and if you need that new health care, sign up because it's hot, sign up because it's hot, sign up because it's hot, I'm commander-in-chief and I'm two-term strong, plus I've got this health care which has got it going on, I'm a nice press, with some nice drinks, see this black pen? See my flags clean, affordable health care. Officially a go. Well, that's better than what we had a year ago. Your options are really what's present. Don't worry about what them, they, her, or he said. I can educate you. This could be your health end. Jump on your mom's plan until you get a his end. Present, I'm the man, been the present, yes we can, and I dealt with all this health care by dealing with our end. So don't try to talk about my plan like the people who haven't wanted this. They've waited long for this. And it covers all conditions that can pre-exist. You should think about it. Uh, take a second. Matter of fact, uh, you should take it easy. And watch this gem from Barack Obama. Uh, when I'm in the Oval Office, call me President Barack. President Barack. President Barack. And if my critics get an attitude, I tell them to stop. I tell them to stop. I tell them to stop. And if you need that new health care, sign up because it's hot. Sign up because it's hot. Sign up because it's hot. I'm commander-in-chief, and I'm two-term strong, and I've got this health care which has got it going on. I'm the boss man, but y'all knew that. Uh, creating jobs, man, yeah, I had to do that. I've got my wife posted up on my left side, BP on my right side. Yeah, that's how we ride. Uh, ain't no other way to play the game the way I play. Nothing was the same legislation. You should call me Drake. Last name, O-D-R-E-B-A-M-A. First name, A-R-E-B-A-C-K. Uh, if you choose it, just use it. They can't refuse it. No pre-existing condition could ever make you lose it. So tell a friend or a random guy. I've got a game changer right here that saves lives, so uh, don't stand in middle. Uh, my health care is chisel. It's chock full of top-notch health care for chisels. We'll cover all your chisels, your chisels, uh, and your chisels. Now, while you figure that out, it's back to that corrupt. Uh, when I'm in the Oval Office, call me President Barack, President Barack, President Barack. Uh, my critics get an attitude. I tell them to stop. I tell them to stop. Stop! 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 Yes, please stop. Okay, I think we've heard enough of that, and uh, I still, I my jury is still out on whether or not that was a genuine ad meant to promote Obamacare or mock it into the ground. My reasoning is Barack Obeezy and his shizzle and fazizzle or and, and pazizzle and bazzle uh, don't exactly sell Obamacare to the public. And, you know, it's even, it's labeled as a spoof, it's labeled as not a spoof. It's labeled as a spoof, it's put out by a a group that is supposedly urging people to sign up for, at healthcare.gov for Obamacare. Uh, so, for me, the jury is still out, but one thing I do know for sure, 
for shizzle that it is my number three <clears throat> most stupidest thing ever. Number two actually comes in very, 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 very close. And it is da -da -da, the flannel onesie guy for Obamacare. Obamacare just win, 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 winning all over the place here. I can't tell if Obama supporters, Obamacare supporters, are just trying to ask people to mock them. Because here we have this me malicious, and that's, that's, my, that's my word, my, that's my made-up word for you're meme worthy, a me malicious poster telling people to spend their Christmas days vacation talking about health care. And the picture is one of the supporters, <laughs> this mousy-looking guy, in a flannel one onesie pajama, you know, the kind with the, hopefully with the food. Not, I don't even know if it had feet, but it's the kind that children usually wear when they're, you know, about 18 months old. And you put them in. There's one-piece pajamas, and it says, you know, drink hot chocolate, talk to each other about health care. And it was so mock-worthy that it just exploded all over the Internet with all kinds of people getting rightfully mocking of it, um, mock-worthy, me-malicious, et cetera, et cetera. And I, like I said, I don't even know. I, and somebody in an ad company somewhere for Obamacare has got to be trying to undermine this whole sign-up process because there is nothing about these ads, if they are genuinely for Obamacare, that makes anybody want to sign up for it. It just makes people want to make fun of not just the health care plan, but the people in the ads. Okay, but that doesn't even match the number one most stupidest thing ever of 2013, and it is ding, actually registering for Obamacare on health care, the number one, because since its rollout in October, merely a fraction of those who were expected, maybe a ten, uh, what is it, one percent, one percent of those who were projected to, expected to, asked to sign up for healthcare, sign up under healthcare.gov, have actually been able to register online, and that does not count. Um, that does not take into account the smaller, even smaller number of people who have been able to obtain health care insurance through the website, haven't even been able to obtain. Just simply registering for the healthcare.gov site is an accomplishment by itself, something that most people who tried failed. At. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. And it's not you, ladies and gentlemen. It's not you. It is the website, the website that has been shown over and over again to be as incompetent as the company that was fired from Canada for making it is incompetent. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That is 
are 12 most stupidest things ever. I hope you are alive and well after surviving all 12 of these things this year. Uh, But don't worry. I'm pretty sure 2014 will provide us with more laughs and more stupidest things ever for us to bring to you here on Pro-Life Friday's radio. I hope you enjoyed that. I did, because uh, we get to talk about lots of serious, serious stuff on this program, and rarely do we ever give out stuff that is humorous, mockworthy, and just a good time for everybody just to listen to and take a break from our everyday activities. I certainly hope everybody has enjoyed their holidays, Christmas especially. Uh, There are other holidays going on. Hey, you know what? If you are having a good time celebrating family, I don't knock that. I don't knock that. Don't ask me to get into the details because I will. Start picking on things. You know me. So come back next week. Next week we are going to have a fabulous, fabulous 2014 start to Pro-Life Friday's radio. I am excited to bring you all the new projects we're going to talk about. Then we're going to talk about so much stuff. We're going to have a round of fresh interviews with people that really deserve to be heard and their stories deserve to be heard and what they're going through deserves to be known by everybody but won't get to you in the mainstream media. We're going to bring it to you right here on PLFR. Please come back next week. Join me and my co-host, Melissa and Thomas. We're going to be here for you. We're going on the air for you and for the hopes of ending abortion and seeing all things pro-life come to fruition. Have a good night, everybody. Have a wonderful and happy new year to everyone. And we will see you next Friday here on Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Thank you.
let me be clear. Now, when I'm in the Oval Office, call me President Barack, President Barack, President Barack. And if my critics get an attitude, I tell them to stop, I tell them to stop, I tell them to stop. And if you need that new health care, sign up because it's hot, sign up because it's hot, sign up because it's hot. I'm Commander-in-Chief and I'm two-term strong, plus I've got this health care which has got it going on. I am a nice press with some nice dreams. See this flag pin? See my swag's clean? Portable health care. Officially a go. Oh, that's better than what we had a year ago. Your options are really widespread. Don't worry about what them, they, her, or he said. I could educate you. This could be your health ad. Jump on your mom's plan. That's how you get a his ad. Present, I'm the man. Been the presence. Yes, we can. And I dealt with all this health care by dealing with our rent. So don't try to talk about my plan like the people haven't wanted this. They've waited long for this. And it covers all conditions that could pre-exist. You should think about it. Uh, take a second. Matter of fact, uh, you should take it easy and rock to the gym from Biraco Beast. Uh, when I'm in the Oval Office, call me President Barack, President Barack, President Barack. And if my critics get an attitude, I tell them to stop, I tell them to stop, I tell them to stop. And if you need that new health care, sign up because it's hot, sign up because it's hot, sign up because it's hot. I'm Commander-in-Chief and I'm two-term strong and I've got this health care which has got it going on. I'm the boss man, but y'all knew that. that. Uh, Creating jobs man, yeah, I had to do that. I've got my wife posted up on my left side, VP on my right side. Yeah, that's how we ride. I ain't no other way to play the game the way I play. Nothing was the same legislation. You should call me Drake. Last name, Garrett B-A-M-A. First name, B-A-R-R-A-C-K. If you choose it, just use it. They can't refuse it. No pre-existing condition could ever make you lose it. So tell a friend or a random guy. I've got a game changer right here that saves lives. So uh, don't stand and diddle on my health care shizzle. It's chock full of top-notch health care professionals. We'll cover all your fizzles, your dizzles, uh, and your chizzles. Now while you figure that out, it's back to that carousel. Uh, when I'm in the Oval Office, call me President Barack. President Barack. President Barack. Uh, when my critics get an attitude, I tell them to stop. I tell them to stop. I tell them to stop. And if you need that new health care, sign up because it's hot. Sign up because it's hot. Sign up because it's hot. I'm commander-in-chief and I'm two-term strong and I've got this health care which has got it going on. <laughs>